Welcome, everybody, to this Cato Institute online policy forum. I'm Ian Vasquez, the Vice President for International Studies here at Cato. Argentina is heading into presidential elections in October, and the leading presidential candidate, Javier Millet, has promised to replace the Argentine peso with the dollar, that is, to dollarize the Argentine economy. This has been uh, the central plank of his economic proposals. And one of the reasons why his candidacy has been so popular is precisely because of the dismal state of the economy. This year, annual inflation surpassed uh, 100%. And after more than 20 years of parent, during, after more than 20 years during which uh, the left-wing Peronist party has mostly been in power, Argentines have lived through debt crises, devaluations, and default. The cause uh, of this has been chronically undisciplined monetary and fiscal policies. Among other results of this uncontrolled spending is that some 40% of Argentines now live in poverty. Nor is this cycle of spending and printing money a recent phenomenon. This problem reaches back well into the 20th century. Can dollarization finally help to break the cycle uh, and to help discipline the Argentine political system in a way that uh, has occurred in some of the other countries in the region that have dollarized? And if so, how would it work? To address these uh, questions, I'm very pleased to uh, be joined today by economist Emilio Ocampo. And we are also joined by Manuel Hines, whom I will introduce after Emilio's uh, remarks. I would like to remind all of our online viewers that you can send in uh, questions uh, to, to this panel through uh, Cato's webpage, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter using the hashtag CatoEcon. Uh, Emilio Ocampo is the top advisor to Javier Millet on the issue of dollarization. Uh, he, ha he is a professor of finance and economic history at, at USEMA University in Buenos Aires. He has previously taught emerging markets uh, and finance at uh, New York University's Stern School of Business. He has over 20 years of experience in international finance and capital markets in New York, London, and Buenos Aires. He was a managing director of Salman Brothers and Morgan Stanley, has written over a dozen books on history finance and economics and in uh, academic publications, uh, numerous articles. He is importantly the co-author of a book on dollarization published last year with uh, uh, his co-author Nicolas Kachanowski, uh, roughly tra translated as dollarization, a solution for Argentina. Mr. Ocampo has an MBA uh, degree from the University of Chicago. E Emilio, welcome and uh, thank you for joining us today. You have the floor. Thank you, Ian, uh, and thank you for the invitation. Ever since I came into contact with the uh, Cato Institute, I think it was back in 1982, um, it's always been a beacon for, for all of us who believe in freedom as the, uh, the guiding principle for, for the organization of, of society. And it's an honor for me also to, to be here with Manuel Heinz, who, whose work has in, inspired many of us. So. Um, I don't have a lot of time, but I think it would be appropriate now to go back in history. An unknown sage has said that if you leave Argentina for 20 days and you come back, uh, everything has changed. But if you leave for 20 years and you come back, everything is the same. And uh, this, this quote uh, leads me to, to a statement that Milton Friedman made almost 50 years ago in June 1973. At the time, U.S. inflation was hovering around six and a half percent annual inflation. And in Argentina, the annual inflation was around 65% annual inflation. And Friedman was uh, in Congress uh, testifying because when there was a committee interested in um, uh, analyzing the behavior of uh, exchange rates after the uh, fall of the Bretton Woods system. And at some point, uh, he made a, a very interesting remark that I'm going to quote verbatim. He said, the whole reason why it is an advantage for a developing country to tie to a major country is that historically speaking, the internal policies of developing countries have been very bad. U.S. policy has been bad, but their policies have been far worse. 
There are no gyrations in, um, in American monetary policy which can hold a candle to the gyrations which have occurred in Argentinian domestic monetary policy. So the whole reason why tying to a major currency would be an advantage to Argentina is that precisely that it would prevent them from following bad domestic monetary policy. So in a way, Friedman made the case for dollarization and probably was the first to make the case in favor of dollarization almost 50 years ago. And many people remember Friedman for advocating flexible exchange rates, but he always qualified the statement and said that for developing countries, particularly developing countries that are addicted to inflation, it was better to eliminate the central bank and to basically tie uh, themselves to, to the currency of a major country. Now, 50 years have passed, inflation, as you pointed out, uh, Ian is now high, in fact, the government released the latest data and the monthly inflation rate is over 12% monthly. So that is um, where we are now, uh, much worse than we were back in 1973. So um, with Nikolaj Kachanovsky, we wrote a book. It came out um, last uh, in March, 2022. And we said we should be considering dollarization because we've tried, we've, we've been a giant macroeconomic laboratory and we tried almost everything and, and we have failed. The only thing that really uh, came close to giving us uh, some sense of monetary stability was the convertibility regime, which was essentially a currency board, which in, it, it is in many important respects different from dollarization. And so um, we are in a situation with rampant inflation, growing poverty, uh, a stagnating economy, uh, Argentina is kind of stuck in a bad equilibrium. We need to get the country back on the road to prosperity and stability. And to do that, we need a regime change. Uh, and a regime change uh, has, to be, uh, has to, to be credible, has to be durable. People have to believe that it, will, it won't be overturned very easily. And our experience with the currency board uh, showed that it was very vulnerable to uh, reversion by the political system. So we need to, um, in our view, we needed to explore uh, something a little bit uh, that it was costlier uh, for politicians to reverse. And, and, the, and the evidence is very strong in, in the favor of this hypothesis that dollarization is a much harder commitment device. It, it forces the political system uh, to, 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 it mitigates to some extent what economists call the timing consistency uh, a problem. And uh, so we we came out with this book and Millet announced his candidacy and he said dollarization would be the centerpiece of his um, campaign. And it has been extremely popular. And so that your audience knows, it is estimated that Argentines already have stashed uh, under the mattress or in safe deposit boxes, around $200 billion in dollar bills. Okay, this is liquidity that is kind of dead because it's not intermediated by the banking system because people are mostly afraid of the deposits in the banking system. Uh, they have uh, been in the past of the rapacity of the political system. And so they are fearful of depositing those dollars back. So they're, they're basically kind of dead liquidity. And the total amount of pesos in circulation and the total amount of deposits in circulation, when you calculate it at the exchange rate, at uh, the free market exchange rate is, is, is almost less than 50 billion. So the amount of dollars we have is five, at least four or five times the amount of, of pesos that Argentines have. And that tells you already something that Argentines by themselves have spontaneously dollarize their liquidity and their savings because it's impossible to save uh, in, in pesos in Argentina. You know, the peso is, 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 is really, a, as Robert Mandel would say, is a junk currency. So now the, the dollarization debate has gone in very intense and it has been completely politicized. And in our view, uh, there are some fallacies that keep going around that is important to dismiss. The first fallacy, I think, is the incomplete comparison. There's a lot of people coming out and saying, oh, Argentina shouldn't do dollarize. It should do this, this, and the other. Um, uh, or they don't give any sort of alternative at all. And they don't explain 
what is the alternative to dollarization? Because reality, the reality is Argentina doesn't really have a lot of tools to um, eliminate inflation. We have tried in the past with several regimes, nothing has worked. Uh, and so what we need now is a credible anchor and uh, the currency board would not work. We know it doesn't work. It took politicians a week to destroy convertibility back in 2002. So, you know, whenever people start against dollarization, my, my first question is, okay, so what's your alternative? How do you propose to eliminate inflation uh, for a long period of time? We're not talking about the next couple of years. We don't want to, uh, to do something for the short term. What we need to do is something that will change the course of uh, the Argentine economies over the next 20, 25 years. It, it wouldn't make sense to do uh, a very short-term thing. So that that incomplete comparison is 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 uh, is one of the fallacies that that keeps going around. And the reality, as I said, is that the the, the, the there no there are not uh, many other options that we can consider. The second fallacy actually is is even more interesting because a lot of people argue against dollarization and they say, well, you know, you would lose um, the lender of last resort or you would lose. Um, foreign exchange policy as a shock absorber. And the reality is that we never use foreign exchange policy as a shock absorber. And we don't have a lender of last resort because the central bank is practically insolvent and the main debtor of the banking system. But the fallacy is what we call the Nirvana fallacy, which is dollarization is not the answer for Argentina. What Argentina should do is to have, uh, to have an independent central bank that follows optimal intervention rules and when they finish this sentence, I say, you know, you have to come back to reality from your ivory tower. You know, we know that uh, the idea of, that we can we can have in the near term an independent central bank in Argentina is is is, is magic realism. So we, we need to we need to stick to realistic options to get Argentina of this bad equilibrium that I mentioned earlier. So let's forget about the Nirvana fallacy. The, the third fallacy is highlighting drawbacks or disadvantages of dollarization that all the other alternatives actually share. So, you know, to say that dollarization doesn't necessarily cure an addiction to populism, uh, you know, we don't expect a dollarization to do that. Just like when we say, you know, uh, you know, we, we impose uh, drivers uh, the use of a seatbelt, uh, that, that is not going to prevent car accidents, what it's going to do is maybe lower um, the, the mortality rate of car accidents. So with dollarization, what, we, what do we want to do with dollarization? We shouldn't ask dollarization to do more than what it does. It does something very, very important, which is provide a currency uh, with which people can save and borrow and companies can uh, uh, also borrow and invest. And, and that is very important. We know that is a precondition for any economy to, to, to grow. The fourth fallacy, I would say, is that the planning horizon here is 2027. So we have elections today and we're going to have elections. And it seems to me when I hear uh, some of the detractors of dollarization that they think that somehow Argentina is going to magically change and that the probability of having a bad government in the future is going to disappear. And I think one of the advantages of dollarization is that it actually reduces the cost of a society of a bad and uh, here because they had Rafael Correa which did, you know he did all sorts of things he undermined the financial integrity of dollarization but the average Ecuadorian is much better than the average Argentinian after 10 years in our case more than 10 years of left-wing populism uh, so what dollarization actually can do is to reduce the cost of, of bad policies because as Friedman pointed out, uh, you take away from politicians a very powerful weapon. And it may be relevant to quote now uh, Keynes, who in, in his famous uh, book uh, in 1919, in the Economic Consequences of the Peace, he said, there's, more, there's no more subtle and more insidious mechanism to destroy uh, the basis of a capitalist society than to debase its currency. And, and he was quoting Lenin, who had apparently 
said this in an interview and, and Keynes was very much in agreement with this idea that inflation and the debasement of the currency is, is a, a weapon of mass destruction uh, in economic and, and actually also institutional uh, terms. So we need to take away this weapon from politicians. The Argentine constitution only has one mandate when it comes to money. And that mandate says that Congress has to do everything possible to make sure that the value of the currency is preserved. Well, they haven't done that. So if they haven't done that and they have proved again and again that they cannot actually behave responsibly, they cannot uh, behave within a budgetary restriction, that we shouldn't give them the control over monetary policy. Now, let, let me share some data with you. Between 1945 and 1941, we're talking about, uh, 1991, sorry, 1945 and 1991, we're talking about 46 years. Uh, in Argentina, we had 43 years with an inflation rate that was higher than 10% in Argentina during that period of time. Then we had 10 years of stability. And since 2002 until last year, we, we had 19 years with an inflation rate that was higher than 10%. Now, the interesting thing is that in the first period, we were surrounded by our neighbors. You know, countries like Chile, Brazil also had a bad inflationary experience. Now we're surrounded by countries like um, Zimbabwe, Venezuela, and many other uh, failed African states or states that are engaged in civil or external war. And they have the same track record in terms of inflation. So we, we are the only member of the original group that has remained. So there's something uh, about our system that uh, creates this incentive to, to use this weapon of mass destruction, which actually affects the, the, the common people. It affects the, the, the workers who have to get paid once a month. Imagine now with a monthly inflation rate that is 12.4% and you get paid at the end of the month. Uh, the government, the inflation tax hits the most vulnerable members, the poorest members of society, the hardest. So, you know, we need to get rid, uh, we need to take away uh, from politicians uh, this weapon. Economists sometimes think that they can manage monetary policy and they devise these wonderful, beautiful theoretical models where, you know, they can solve everything. The reality of the matter that monetary policy in Argentina uh, uh, it's not managed by economists, it's managed by politicians. So dollarization is the first step to monetary freedom. Argentines have already um, chosen the dollar. And so what we want to give them is the full opportunity to choose whatever currency they want to you know, pursue their economic activities. Uh, and I would um, wrap my presentation because I know that you've given me uh, 15 minutes. Um, you know, we're, we're at an historic opportunity in Argentina. This is the first time since 1945 uh, it, during which we have the prospect of the Peronist party losing an election uh, in a massive way. And we have now a candidate who is Javier Milei, who has been advocating relentlessly the ideas of freedom. And, and he's right now the most popular politician in Argentina. And there's a uh, a strong chance that he will win. So all of us who have joined him, have joined, or many of us who have joined him in this quest, um, we believe that this is an important uh, historic opportunity and that we need to do everything we can to, to help him uh, be successful and to uh, take Argentina out of this bad economic, this bad equilibrium in which it has been stuck an economy that hasn't grown in the last 12 years, an economy that today has an annual inflation rate of close to 125% uh, and going up. So um, we have many arguments in favor of the right. With Nicolás Kachanovsky, we've written a 400-page book. Unfortunately, it's not in English yet. Uh, we, we intend to translate it, but... Um, um, there's plenty of material and there are plenty of economists, well-known economists who have advocated dollarization. Robert Mandel, Robert Barrow, Alberto Alessina, Larry Summers, Guillermo Calvo. Um, there's plenty of uh, great minds in economics that have argued that countries 
that are in, incapable of managing their monetary policy, they should just adopt the monetary policy of somebody like the US, particularly if their citizens have already chosen um, that currency. Uh, with that, I will uh, uh, close my presentation and leave it for Manuel, who has great experience and great insights that I'm sure will enlighten uh, your audience. Thank you very much. Thank you. <clears throat> Thank you very much, Emilio. Let me remind everybody watching to send in their questions using the hashtag CatoEcon through our website or the social media uh, <laughs> accounts. And now uh, I'm pleased to uh, have join us uh, Manuel Hines, who was the former finance minister of El Salvador uh, in the mid to late 90s, uh, 1990s, and um, was also the architect and uh, designer of the successful dollarization uh, that El Salvador put in place more than 20 years ago. He has been um, a division chief and a senior economist at the World Bank for more than 10 years previously and uh, with experience in more than 30 countries. He has been a fellow at the Council of Foreign Relations where he has published uh, a couple of books on dollarization and monetary policy. And he is currently a fellow at the Institute for Applied Economics at Johns Hopkins University. Welcome, Manuel, thanks for joining us. Hello, Ian. Uh, hello, Emilio. Um, it's a, a great pleasure for me to be with you uh, this afternoon. I agree absolutely with what Emilio is saying, and, and I can tell that uh, my agreement goes much beyond any theoretical consideration, you know, because we have done it. And also, uh, you know, we have seen what happened in Ecuador. And I, I really find very strange uh, that in this discussion, this politicized discussion that there is in, 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 in Argentina, there are many people who say, you know, it's impossible to dollarize uh, uh, Argentina. And then they give several reasons that uh, show that they do not understand what is dollarization because they keep on thinking in a, in, a, in a country with two currencies when they are thinking about dollarization. And dollarization is uh, actually the question that we are discussing now is why should we dollarize? But the, the real question is, why should we have a currency of our own in, in, in any country? You know, it's, it's, it's on the other way. It's, it's the other way, the question, because a currency is something that should be uh, useful to uh, make transactions in the past and in the future, and also in any place uh, in the globe. So th there are economies of scope in a, in a currency. You know, the more people participate in a monetary market, the better the market will be, you know, because there will be more, much, it will be much bigger and many people, the diversity of the market will help. So, you know, why should you stop, you know, prevent, limit this ability of the people who like to use their own currency in China, in any, you know, for international transactions, for domestic transactions, for whatever, why should you limit it? And actually, uh, the the main problem is uh, the problem that Emilio has mentioned several times, which is that the politicians they love to have their own currency, you know, because then they can use it to finance their own political aims, which are always very short term. And, and then in this competition to use more and more money, they create this instability that you are seeing in, in Argentina. So, you know, if, if you really want an optical, optimal currency policy for Argentina, number one, you know, do not introduce another currency, which would be the peso, you know, because the dollar, you cannot get rid of the dollar because you have to participate in the international market for import, exports, for capital transfers, and so on. So use the dollar, 
you know. And then you will have, when you have only one currency, it is, you know, you don't create the possibility of manipulation by the government. And the problem that we are discussing in Argentina really is that for more than a century, the government has manipulated badly the currency in, in Argentina. So it's a, that is the possibility that should be eliminated. Uh, I'm, I'm going to give you an example of what is a do dollarization in, in El Salvador, for example. You know, one of the criticisms uh, that I have heard in Argentina, and I heard them in El Salvador when we were going to dollarize, was that if you have a fiscal deficit, you are not, you cannot do the dollarization. And actually, you know, it doesn't have anything to do because they, uh, the criticism is if you have a fiscal deficit, then the dollars will leave the country, which is what happens in Argentina. But it doesn't happen in El Salvador. It doesn't have in Ecuador. You know, why? You know, because the, the, the dollars leave the, the, the country, Argentina, because people are afraid that the government will force them to take pesos in, instead of dollars. You know, they will take their dollars away. So they take the dollars and they put it away, you know, because they are afraid that the government is going to do that. But when you have only one currency, then, you know, people stay there and the financial markets work wonderfully. One example I'll give you, and I will finish with this, you know, is that, uh, well, Salvador has had the, one of the lowest uh, inflation rates in Latin America, you know, uh, the lowest interest rates as well, you know, and also the, the long-term loans in El Salvador are very, very uh, uh, common. And you can think in El Salvador, the independence of the monetary market and the, and the, and the fiscal deficit, you can see when in El Salvador, in this moment, you know, the, uh, uh, the, the government cannot go to the international markets to get, uh, to get loans, you know, because, because the, the AMBI, you know, it's a, El Salvador will have to pay something more than 15% of interest rate in the international markets. Not El Salvador, sorry the government of El Salvador. And then just, but the interest rate for the private sector is 6% for mortgages. 25 years, 30 years. The government has to pay 15% or 20%. But the, but, the, but the private sector, they pay, uh, you know, anybody can pay just 6% and the companies, the big companies, they pay 2%, 3% for uh, working capital. Why is it, you know? Because the, the markets do not, because the government is not manipulating the monetary markets. So, you know, the financial markets know the difference. Just imagine this picture. The Minister of Finance is with his secretary, you know, and he is complaining that he cannot go, you know, to the international markets because he has to pay 20%. And then his secretary tells him, look, Mr. Minister, I have to leave early. Please give me permission because I have to go and sign a loan for an apartment I am buying 25 years, you know, and I'm going to pay 6%. That's what you get with dollarization. You become independent from the bad way in which they are financing the uh, financing of the government. Thank you. Thank you, Manuel, uh, for those opening uh, remarks. Um, we should go directly to, to questions and, and uh, I'll go to, to, to one question that the gentleman by the name of Teddy sent in, which I think Emilio's uh, already somewhat touched on, but I'll read it. With Argentina in so much debt and with so poor a credit rating, where will the dollars come from to dollarize? Another part uh, of the question might be, 
how much, uh, how many dollars are necessary in order to uh, begin the dollarization uh, process? Emilio. Well, that's, that's a very good question. The first thing we need to remember, well, first of all, Argentina doesn't have so much debt. When you look at the actual uh, ratio of private sector debt to GDP in Argentina right now, it's, it's not really that high. It's, it's, if Argentina uh, were a stable country, uh, if Argentina, in fact, was dollarized, uh, the level of debt wouldn't be such a problem. The problem we have in Argentina with respect to debt is that more than half of what the government owes is denominated in dollars, but the government doesn't generate dollars. So it's constantly uh, trying to confiscate uh, the dollars from the private sector exporters, which which are the most dynamic sector in the economy. So that perverse uh, system of basically forcing exporters to liquidate or to sell their foreign currency at, at, uh, at an exchange rate that is way below the market obviously creates a disincentive and aggravates the problem because uh, it makes it more difficult to attract dollars. That's the first thing. The second thing we need to remember is that, you know, Argentines, as I mentioned earlier, have between four or five or maybe even six times the amount of dollars, dollar bills. I'm talking about actual dollar bills uh, saved in, in, in under what we call here under the mattress or in safe deposit boxes. And, uh, and so we, we have plenty of dollars in the Argentine economy, as, as Manuel was pointing out. The issue usually is that people here are afraid that the government will try to take their dollars away and force them to take a depreciating peso. And so as long as that is the case, uh, nobody's going to bring dollars into Argentina. And the third thing I would say is that dollarization is a very simple concept. I mean, in essence, uh, if you fully dollarize, um, you have to buy back, let's say, what is the monetary liability of the central bank, which is the monetary base. And the monetary base in dollars today, I mean, all the pesos printed, divided by the free market exchange rate, is less than $9 billion. It's nothing. I mean, it's never been this low. Remember, Argentina exports every year about $100 billion and it imports about $90 billion. So we're talking about an economy that is easily in, in the range of, let's say, 550 to 600 billion. And that's only the declared economy. We have an informal economy because we have too many taxes. We have excessive regulation uh, and the estimates of how much the informal economy uh, represents uh, probably at least 50% of the actual uh, official figures. So um, there's plenty of dollars in Argentina. So this, you know, I would say the weakest argument against dollarization actually is that there are no dollars available. What, what we don't have is dollars for the central bank because the central bank basically uh, sells dollars at 350 pesos per dollar. Uh, when the market says that the, the dollar is worth 750 pesos. So why, you know, if you create excess demand for something, you're going to have scarcity. That's economics 101. So um, we, have, we have the dollars that we need to, uh, to do uh, to affect dollarization. What we have in Argentina is a couple of problems that other countries like El Salvador and Ecuador didn't have. Uh, when they decided to proceed with this. And, and the first one is that we have a, what we call here, which is, uh, is kind of a padlock, which means that money cannot leave the country, dollars cannot leave the country, which means that nobody wants to bring in dollars because even if you bring dollars, then you have to bring them at an unfavorable exchange rate. But if you want to take them out, the government will you. So, you know, one of the things that anybody would have to do when they come into power is to eliminate this kind of padlock, the foreign exchange padlock, because the economy doesn't work. Exporters are disincentivized to increase exports. So Argentina finds itself again and again uh, in a situation of dollar scarcity. Um, and so th this problem uh, is common to all possible alternatives, which takes me back to the issue of uh, the incomplete comparison. You know, we, we cannot analyze dollarization in a vacuum. What we have here is a choice for Argentina. Either we decide that we continue to manage our decline 
and we do like the frog in the boiling water strategy, or we do a radical change and we take Argentina into the road of prosperity and stability. And if we want to take Argentina the road of prosperity and stability, we need a lasting regime change, a regime change that people believe in because they know that it's going to be very hard for politicians to revert. And the experience of Ecuador is very, is very, as I said, um, uh, very powerful. I mean, Correa was the most powerful politician in the history of Ecuador, and he governed over 10 years. He modified the constitution. But the, the dollar was more popular than he was. I mean, once you give people, uh, people get paid a salary in dollars, it's very hard for a politician to try to take those dollars away and replace them with painted pieces of paper. So again, you know, we, we need to break down the problem that Argentina face, faces. Dollarization entails replacing the monetary base. And as the experience of both Ecuador and El Salvador shows, that doesn't happen overnight. I mean, this is a, another common fallacy that goes around, which, you know, people think that you announce dollarization and then the next day you, you will have 46 million people lining up at the door of the central bank trying to exchange their pesos for dollars. That's absolute nonsense. Whoever thinks this way, they don't understand what dollarization means. The second thing is that the padlock, the, the foreign exchange padlock, is a problem that anybody will have to deal with, even if um, they don't want to dollarize. And if you don't think that there are enough dollars to dollarize, then there are not enough dollars to lift the, the padlock. So because you, you cannot liberalize the market uh, unless you have dollars, because otherwise people will just uh, exchange their pesos for dollars. And the third problem that Argentina has that, well, the second problem that Argentina has that El Salvador and Ecuador didn't have is that we have an insolvent central bank. You know, when, when Ecuador dollarized, the ratio of uh, the central bank's total liabilities to the monetary base was like 163%. In Argentina today, the ratio of total liabilities of the central bank to the monetary base is like 600%. Uh, and a great part of those liabilities are debt that the central bank owes to the banking sector. I mean, today, the biggest borrower of the Argentine banking sector is the central bank of Argentina. So we have an insolvent central bank. It's impossible to have monetary stability when you have a central bank in this uh, situation. So that is a problem that the people who are against dollarization will deal with, and they don't have an easy solution. I mean, what they think is that you, you're going to liquefy this debt with hyperinflation. That's their proposal. We actually tried that in 1989, it didn't work. Um, so we have dollars, we can, we can do dollarization. It's not a problem for an economy of the size of Argentina. Uh, you know, $9 billion of monetary base is not a problem. Uh, and if you do, if you dollarize and you have a, a proper plan to recapitalize the central bank, you can get over the, the insolvency problem of the central bank. And the experience also shows that you can liberalize the exchange, uh, foreign exchange market. You cannot dollarize, by the way, you cannot dollarize at an exchange rate that is not the free market exchange rate. You have to dollarize at a free market exchange. If you go out and try to dollarize at the supposed equilibrium real exchange rate that an economist calculates with, with a spreadsheet or a sophisticated model, and if that is much below or significantly below the free market exchange rate, what you're going to have is a bank run. So you have, by definition, you have to dollarize at a free market exchange rate. And by definition, the free market exchange rate is that rate at which all the supply of dollars and all the demand of dollars agree. Uh, and that, as a result, the people are indifferent between holding pesos and dollars. And again, I want to emphasize a point. In Ecuador, it took nine months to basically exchange the entire monetary base. In El Salvador, it took more than nine months because it was voluntary. In, in Ecuador, there was a deadline that the government imposed. In El Salvador, there was no deadline. So people could use uh, colones, the bills, the, the actual physical colones, uh, but the entire banking system was dollarized. And so there are many ways to skin the cat here. Uh, and I, again, I want to re reiterate this point. The argument against dollarization that, that is based on the supposed uh, unavailability of dollars, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't stand to, to 
scrutiny. So um, I think it's just argument. There are many arguments that you can make against dollarization. In the case of Argentina, most of those arguments are invalid. Uh, and uh, so they're not really strong arguments against dollarization. Thank you, Emilio. And in the case of Ecuador, the mere announcement uh, that there would be dollarization resulted in an immediate uh, return of dollars to, to that country at the beginning of that process. I'm exactly. Question. That's a very good point. Yeah. I'm going to read a question uh, uh, sent in by Jerry Jordan. Who's, who notes central government guarantees of debts or provincial of provincial or municipal uh, governments can undermine dollarization, just as Spain made the mistake when they joined the eurozone by failing to end such guarantees. What is the Argentine plan to prohibit central government guarantees of provincial and municipal bonds? Well, I, I agree that if you have profligate, um, you know, provincial governments, municipal debt is not a problem here, unlike the US, where, you know, you have cities like Detroit who have gone bust several times, but nobody leaves Detroit because the government of Detroit goes bust. Uh, in the case of Argentina, we had a problem in the past uh, because the, the, the market kind of believes there's an implicit guarantee of provincial uh, debt. And we have what is called a a sharing agreement of tax revenues in Argentina that unfortunately encourages provincial governments to misbehave fiscally. So uh, it is important to, to reorganize and restructure this uh, sharing agreement. Uh, everybody understands that right now this is, this is an agreement that, uh, that fosters bad behavior. And so we, we need to align uh, incentives here so that the political system uh, learns how to live within the budgetary restriction. So um, clearly that's not something dollarization by itself is going to do. I mean, we need to always go back and ask ourselves, what do we want dollarization to do? And what can actually dollarization deliver? Uh, we can ask, ask, you know, dollarization is not magic. Uh, you know, dollarization cannot solve all the problems. What, dollarization solves one variable problem and releases uh, the attention of the government to fix all the other structural problems. I always say structural problems require structural solutions. And so, you know, dollarization by itself is not going to resolve the, the, you know, the, the, this problem we have in Argentina um, related to the sharing of the tax revenues. Uh, now, I'm not worried, on the other hand, about the possibility of provincial governments issuing their own debt. Uh, because once you have the dollar, uh, if a government decides to issue short-term debt as quasi-money, with, by the way, in Argentina, provincial governments cannot issue any kind of money. It's prohibited uh, in the constitution. But you know, we all know that the constitution in Argentina is not always uh, respected. But even if somebody, some governor in some far-flung province or whatever, intended to pay suppliers or employees with, let's say, a one-year note at an interest rate that was below market, that would immediately result in, in, uh, in a reduction of spending because that bond would trade below par immediately. And the difference between par and the market value would be the implicit reduction of, uh, of public spending and the cost, the political cost of that would be felt immediately. Uh, let's remember that the dollar, the value of the dollar is not going to be fixed in Argentina once you dollarize. The value of the dollar is fixed outside of Argentina. So I'm, although I'm not going to dismiss this as a concern, because I think part of the problem we have in Argentina today is not only that the national government has um, levels of spending that are too high, but also that provincial governments have uh, levels of spending that are too high. So I, I don't want in any way uh, to sound dismissive about that concern. Um, it's just that dollarization always has to be viewed uh, in the context of a program, a program of structural reforms. I mean, dollarization alone doesn't make sense. It makes sense as um, a measure that you know, allows you to kill the main enemy of structural reforms, which is inflation. It's very hard to push forward politically with structural reforms when you have runaway inflation, when you have a situation like we have today. So that, that would be my short answer to this issue. I would like to, Thanks very I would much. Like to add something you know, about this, which mm -hmm. is we should 
when you are dollarized, we should stop mixing fiscal and monetary problems because dollarization, what dollarization does is exactly to separate the two. You know, the, the United States is a dollarized country, okay? They have only one currency, you know, throughout the United States. But that, that doesn't mean that Michigan, you know, that the fiscal, that, that, that the government, the federal government or the Federal Reserve will have to say, how is going Michigan to operate fiscally? It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do. You know, the currency is the currency. It's a medium of exchange, of saving. It's a standard of value. You know, it doesn't have, to, the, the, the government doesn't have to do with what California does with the, uh, the fiscal policy. You know, and in the United States, it has happened several times that there are states that go beyond the prudent exercise of their own fiscal policy, you know, uh, like New York, you remember, uh, I think it was uh, 50 years ago, uh, that the New York actually went almost to bankruptcy and there have been other states that have been going very close to bankruptcy. And, and really, it doesn't matter because, you know, the, the, the Federal Reserve, the currency doesn't, so it doesn't have anything to do with that. So the first thing that one has to remember when thinking of a, a dollarized economy, do not mix fiscal and monetary problems because the fiscal problems become monetary problems because the government uses the currency to tax the population. You cannot do that with the dollars. Correct. Uh... A political question that came in is, how do you dollarize a, a country if you don't have uh, a majority in Congress in the Senate? Does, th does this have to go through Congress in order to uh, take effect? Well, um, we we'll, we'll, we'll have an answer to that question pretty soon, but um, there, there, there are many dif different ways to dollarize. Let, let's remember the case of uh, El Salvador, for example. El Salvador didn't actually replace the Colón. What El Salvador did is it dollarized the banking sector and it allowed, uh, it fixed the exchange rate forever, so fixed for life, and it allowed Salvadorians to continue to use both dollars and colones. The physical currency survived. And what happened is that Salvadorians gradually decided they preferred the dollar uh, instead of the Colón. And so, you know, first of all, the Vic, any, any votes that Millet uh, gets are in a way uh, backing his, the, the centerpiece of his campaign, which is dollarization. So we, we, we get a sort of referendum of dollarization just by looking at the people who voted for him. Uh, secondly, uh, the reality is almost everybody in Argentina has dollars today. So uh, what we're saying is let this dollar circulate freely in the economy. Let's give Argentines the possibility of using their dollars. Just buying and selling dollars in the informal market today or the black market, if, if you want to call it that way, is roughly 3%. So imagine every time people buy and sell their dollars because they want to save, they're paying every, every, every $100, they pay $3, which is a sunk cost. It's a, it's a, it's a complete inefficiency for the economy to have this. And, and what we propose is monetary freedom. Remember, we, we want people, we want to let people use their own dollars. They have their dollars already. They just cannot use them. People use dollars in Argentina to buy real estate, okay? And that right now, that's pretty much uh, the, the only uh, transactional use for, for dollars. Uh, and then they save in dollars, but, um, you know, people should be able to use their dollars when they go to the supermarket, when they buy clothes, when they buy a car, when they do whatever. I mean, there's no reason why, you know, the idea that 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 the government can cannot let people use whatever currency they prefer to use is is medieval in a way. You know, uh, as Manuel was pointing out, and 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 and, and John Stuart Mill over a hundred years ago said this is a form of barbarism. Why should countries have their own currency? Just let people use whatever currency they want. I mean, uh, so we want to let people use 
whatever currency they want. They have demonstrated they want the dollar. So we want to let them use the dollar. So we'll see what the result of the election is. Uh, but I don't think this is a, a fundamental problem here because uh, the way things are, there's a majority of the people who want uh, to be able to, to use their dollars. I think it's, uh, you know, the politicians who don't want this because they want to retain um, this weapon. Uh, they cannot conceive politics without soft money. And, uh, and they have shown that with soft money, they can destroy the economy. And they destroyed Argentina. I remember Paul Samuelson used to say that in 1945, when he was at the height of his analytical powers as an economist, if anybody had asked him, which is the country that is going to grow faster in the next few decades, he would have said Argentina. Well, it wasn't Argentina because it was ruined by politicians who believed in using soft money. They believed in printing money to pay for their excess spending. So um, I think people are fed up with the peso. And the reality, we see that every day. They have voted already. And that's why the monetary base in Argentina is less than 2% of GDP. Because nobody wants the peso. It's a junk currency. Only the politicians want the peso because they extract uh, money and um, uh, purchasing power from, from the Argentine population. So we need, we need to stop that. And I think this is a very popular cause and it's going to be very popular, particularly among people who right now have to pay in full the inflation tax. Another question that relates to the debt of the central ba bank. It issues Lelic notes uh, that uh, uh, give very high returns, but uh, uh, it's it's my understanding that this is sort of a Ponzi scheme, which will be problematic under any monetary system for any government at, at uh, any particular time. Um, how, uh, what is your idea of dealing with that uh, debt problem? Well, let me, let me make a clarification first. I, I, I wrote a book with Nikola Kajanovsky and we offer kind of a blueprint to solve the problem of the leaks. Uh, I'm now, or I have been for the last month, advisor, formerly an advisor to Javier Millet, and I have to analyze all the potential options. And one of them uh, is, you know, the one that we designed, but there are other ways of doing this. Uh, in my view, what, what is happening today to the Argentine Central Bank has happened many times before in history. I mean, if you look at the Western world's financial history of the last 300 years, we had many situations of uh, a central bank getting completely um, um, been insolvent. And there's no way to, um, to, to ensure price stability when that happens. When, when a central bank is fiscally abused, i.e. when the treasury sort of like forces the central bank to, um, uh, to print excess money, then you have the problems we have now. The leaks today represent uh, roughly 50% uh, or slightly over 50% of total private sector deposits, and they represent about, you know, 60% of total uh, assets subject to financial intermediation of the banking system. So, so there is, in my view, a serious problem. But we need to understand that the Lelic and the debt of the central bank has been, has been a way of the uh, central bank to expand the base of the inflation tax. I mean, the base of the inflation tax is usually a monetary base. What what the Central Bank of Argentina has done and expand that base into a broader monetary base. Last of the Central Bank interest rate, you, you mentioned that this is kind of actually a source of revenue for the government. The, the average in 2022, the average interest rate on this list is 7% and rate was 95%. So, you know, it basically, in return, uh, the government attracted close to 6% of GDP through this mechanism. The problem is that, and, and there are two views about this. There are some people who very well respected economists that think that this is not a problem, that once you stabilize, money demand will increase. And therefore, when the central bank prints money to repay these leaks, uh, that money will be channeled to the private sector and that's not going to be a problem. Uh, I, I don't buy that. And, and Argentine history doesn't support that hypothesis. In fact, when you stabilize, if you want um, money demand to increase, you need uh, interest rates to be positive in real terms. And when and if you do that, 
that central bank debt will balloon and you will have a snowball kind of effect. Um, so the main element of our proposal is a recapitalization plan and a recapitalization plan that somehow prevents the Argentine politicians from uh, altering the way this recapitalization plan works. And the way to do it is to place uh, whatever recapitalization vehicle you design um, outside of Argentine jurisdiction. And there's a legal engineering um, that we've been working on to, to solve this problem. And as I said, there are many ways to skin the cat and we are analyzing all the potential ways. What is clear to us is that the central bank is insolvent. Uh, and there's no question about it. And, uh, uh, and, and anybody who comes in, even if they don't want to dollarize, they will have to deal with this problem. We think dollarization offers us uh, the possibility of uh, fixing that problem. So, uh, one more question. I, want I think to Manuel say. wants to say something. Go ahead. Yeah, uh, which is you know th this is one of these things where people are thinking in a, in a two currencies uh, environment when if you dollarize you will become a one currency. Okay. The 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 important thing is to understand why is it that the leaks balloon like this you know and it is because the central bank is issuing too much money you know the inflation now is 100 percent but you know with the amount that they are creating every month you know it will be 1000 percent so they have to subtract money from the from, from the banking system so they create the money to finance the government Okay, and then they take it away so that the, that money doesn't go to circulate and increase inflation. And then to attract back that money that they have just created, they have to pay, you know, 100%, 150% interest rates annually, you know. So, you know, the problem is in the system of local currencies as it has become in Argentina, the day you dollarize, you know, that that balloon stops growing. It's the only way in which you can stop uh, this this thing. And once you have stopped this growing, then you can use, you know, assist uh, a solution like the one that Emilio and Nicolas are, are proposing, which is you create a, a separate fund, you know, and, 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 and then, you know, the interest rates go down the yields expected from this will go down immediately if they are denominated in dollars. So it becomes a manageable problem for Argentina. So if you really want to keep this, this, this system in which you create money and then you take it back and in the process you have to pay 100% interest rates, you know, which is 30% in real terms, you know, this is bankrupting the country, you know, so it's a, a dollarization is really something that, you know, Argentina should do to stop that problem. Thank you. Yeah, I would, add, I would add the following to, to what Manuel said. Remember that this whole scheme has the famous padlock attached to it. So it you know, the, the idea is that you keep people uh, locked in so that you can basically extract, you know, value from yes. them. I mean, you, you raise the inflation tax. I mean, the That's leaks, right. you know, has been a, a way of ending the base of the inflation tax. And you, you capture the people because you have this padlock. You, they cannot, you know, go out and, and, and freely buy a foreign currency. And so it's a perverse, a completely perverse system. And it's unsustainable. You have to, you know, trash the system, you have to replace it. Because with this system, there's no way the Argentine economy is, is going to grow. Let me give you some figures here. Uh, total credit to the private sector from, from the banks in Argentina is roughly 8% of GDP. The average for Latin America is about 50%. I mean, it's impossible for the economy to grow with these levels of private credit. And the reason is because the government has crowded out the, I mean, nobody in the private sector can pay the interest rate that the government pays because the government doesn't doesn't mind paying whatever interest rate because they always print more money, so they they have the ability to always repay their debt. So, 
we need to stop this system. We need to eliminate this system altogether. Um, and and dollarization is the most powerful weapon. We have to do it. Thank you, Emilio. Thank you, uh, Manuel. Um, I want to thank both of you for joining us today. I'm afraid that we've run out of time, but I think this has been a, a good discussion, and there's no doubt that there's a big challenge ahead uh, for Argentina uh, if we focus only on this issue and certainly other big challenges on other public policy issues, which uh, presumably dollarization will help to address uh, once that's done as well. I apologize to everybody who sent in questions. We were not able to get to, to all of them, but uh, you will be able to see this uh, discussion online at the Cato Institute uh, shortly. Thank you again for all of you uh, joining us, and thank you again, Emilio and Manuel, for joining us today.